Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that gives you full-on movie reviews from our younger nostalgic days, as well as we review TV shows from those times, and we do castings of whatever we want, including redoing castings of those shows and those movies. I'm Adam. I'm John. And we have been doing this for a year now. An entire year. That's crazy. Where has the time gone? Yeah. This episode in particular is exactly our one year anniversary of starting this podcast. Uh, We put them out every other week just because it's time consuming and we both have jobs and lives. So it's been kind of hard to get them every week, but we would love to try and do that more if we could to represent that one year, we're going to go back in time, going to go back in time, but not that movie, not that kind of, <laughs> not that movie we're going back in time with. We are doing a time traveling episode where we are going to review the 1989 film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We're going to review the 89 to 93 show Quantum Leap, and then we're going to do a recasting of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as if they need to cast new people to cast a reboot movie using actors of today, which funny enough enough just fairly recently Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter announced that they are doing a new installment of Bill and Ted's franchise yes I was very excited about this yeah me too I mean they're they're both like in their 50s now but (laughs) it's not a that's not a problem Uh, it's tentatively called Bill and Ted face the music which I think is kind of a clever title. Yeah. Even though we're going to do a recasting as if they are rebooting this franchise, funny enough, they're not rebooting it. They're just keeping it going with the two main actors. As long as they have a good story, I think, to go along with it, I will be fine. I love both movies. I do too. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people shit on Bogus Journey, but I own them both. And I liked them both. Yeah, I mean, definitely when I was younger, I haven't watched either of them in a while until this this podcast, but I know I liked them both. And so I didn't I didn't shit on them, even though a lot of people did shit on particularly Bogus Journey. I didn't dislike one. I thought one was great. I actually kind of mm-hmm. leaned towards Bogus Journey. There were things about that movie I think I liked better than yeah. the first one. The game scenes where they have to yeah. battle games for death yes. against the Grim Reaper is hilarious. Yes, it's that's one of my favorite moments in in. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted came out in 1989. Was there anything else that happened in 89 or was it just Bill and Ted's year? That was just Bill and Ted. That's the only thing that happened the entire year. No, of course not. Best picture that year went to a good film that you probably only ever need to see once and never see again. And that was Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very good film. But yeah. Yeah. Really no need. I don't I don't know how rewatchable that is, especially for people yeah. our age. I mean, I definitely saw it once and I don't think I saw it again. <laughs> the, the thing I remember most about this movie is actually our grandmother likes to quote it a lot. Oh, God, that's not good. Jessica because <laughs> Jessica Tandy's a bitch in that film. <laughs> Not 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 the bitchy parts, just okay. certain other lines. <laughs> 1989 was also the first year that the Grammys had a best rap performance, and that went to Will Smith for his classic song, Parents Just Don't Understand. For the next six hours, I tried to explain to my mom that I was going to have to go through this about 200 more times. So to you other kids all across the land, there's no need to argue. Parents just don't understand. A few other things that kind of came out of that. The term freshman 15 was coined by Seventeen Magazine that year. And that's where that term comes from. (laughs) The sort of Saturn news, that was the year that we lost the pinnacle of all voice acting, Mel Blanc, who famously did everyone from the Looney Tunes era. Pretty much everyone. Would you like to shoot me now or wait till you get home? Shoot him now. Shoot him now. You keep out of this. He doesn't have to shoot you now. Ha! That's it. Hold it right there. 
first, I say first time somebody else shot my mouth off. Congratulations, Betty. You are a mother. <laughs> That's all, folks. Yeah, he, he is like a, a god among men in the voice acting world for sure. Yeah. If you follow baseball, he's the Babe Ruth. He's the Hank Aaron. He's the thing everyone strives to be. If he's the Babe Ruth, does that make Frank Welker the Hank Aaron? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. 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 Also kind of interesting, that was the year that the organization Partnership for a Drug-Free America started the This Is Your Brain on Drugs campaign. This is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Oh, yeah. I definitely remember some of those commercials. Yeah. The, the egg one, you yep. know, yeah. They the fried the egg, egg one is the one that's yeah. the, the most probably well-known. Well, all right. Let me take you to a journey through history with Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from 1989, directed by Stephen Herrick, who directed some other solid movies, including Mighty Ducks, Critters, and Mr. Holland's Opus. Ooh, that's a good movie. This film was written by Chris Matheson, who also wrote Bogus Journey, but he also wrote A Goofy Movie, which was a film oh. that we talked about. Yeah. This film was also written by Ed Solomon, who wrote things like Men in Black, the Now You See Me series, and other ones including Super Mario Brothers and Charlie's Angels uh, all over the place. We'll try not to hold that against him. Yeah. <laughs> this film famously stars Keanu Reeves as Ted Theodore Logan and Alex Winter as Bill S. Preston Esquire. And then also very famously, George Carlin plays Rufus. Originally, George Carlin was sort of a late addition. He was not, they were originally trying to find someone a little bit more serious. Hmm. What I read, and I don't know if they actually went after this guy specifically, but they, they mentioned like a Sean Connery. Oh, okay. It's going to be hard. I'm curious when we cast our new Rufus and even like, you know, in the new movie, how they're going to do Rufus. I'm curious to see what they will do for it. Will I like your Rufus and will you like mine? I guess hmm. we'll, we'll find out, sir. Yeah. I kind of hope that they just don't have a Rufus. That maybe they just kind of... he's kinda, just dead. He's just, uh, he just died. I kind of prefer that because I really don't like it when they tra- change actors for a role. I have continuity problems with stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> I'm very sort of OCD which is also why I hate prequels. Uh, Well, let's get into the movie. We start off with some pretty cool music. The soundtrack for this film, very like some late 80s rock and some chill stuff. Really good soundtrack. I actually own the soundtrack. Makes me happy. But we start off with some cool music. We get like this weird thing happening where it's like a gold. It looks like a fucking ring pop. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Whatever it was, it's kind of like coming down from a ceiling. We have no idea what the hell's going up. We see George Carlin talking. He's kind of narrating. He's just straight up breaking the fourth wall talking to us as an audience telling us about like the utopia of his time uh, it was all kind of based off the music from these two guys in this band wild stallions and he has to go back in time because their lifestyle is threatened their utopia is threatened if they don't pass this exam and stay friends and form the band which it opens up an entire fucking wormhole of time span and like how that possibility even could happen or how did it happen if they would have failed it without his interference. Does that make any sense? I, I don't know. We're not going into that. This is a fucking silly, stupid movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> if we start picking apart like the science behind time travel in this film in particular, it just it falls apart. <laughs> yeah. But we cut to meeting Bill and Ted and their band Wild Stallions with Y's instead of I's. How you spell it? And I love it. They're late to school. We find out pretty damn quickly. These, these are not the brightest bulbs <laughs> in the punch. <laughs> they are fairly dumb. They are California uh, dudes. Yeah, they are California dudes. They think Napoleon is a short dead dude and that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Just funny. Just sets up that, oh my God, these they're like surfer, surfer like stonery kind of dudes. Yeah. And our, and our teacher gives us the context that Bill and Ted, they will fail the class if they pretty much don't give a perfect presentation tomorrow. We meet Missy, this character, who is Bill's stepmom. Quote unquote, he keeps calling her mom, but she isn't all that much older than them. Kind of gross. <laughs> we, like, she picks them up, but Missy is obviously like a trophy wife that Bill's dad gets and she was actually like in school when they were in school yeah and shit you, like that you get that funny line because uh ted is kind of ragging on bill a little bit or sort of asking mm-hmm. him questions because bill is a character who just does not know when to shut up yeah and you kind of learn that a lot throughout this he just kind of like you know when she was a senior we were freshmen shut up ted and you're like oh oh wow oh wow you yeah. really get a sense for how young she actually is yeah he says, remember when I asked her to the prom? Like, yeah, <laughs> shit like that. Like, oh, OK. So she graduated high school and Bill's dad snatched her up somehow. Um, yeah. Money. Money, but, John. Well, and there's something else that that plays off later that I'll, that I'll mm-hmm. talk about pretty yeah. shortly on that. I think kind of gives you a window into her world a little bit. Yep. Yep. I know. <laughs> yeah, we'll go into that. Ted also then goes home and we just get quick context that if he flunks, his dad is going to send him to military school. They're just setting up the stakes that if they fail this presentation, their friendship and their band is over, which just ties into the future of Rufus's utopia is completely going to be gone as well. Mm-hmm. We cut back to the future and we see the that the ring pop gold big ass ring pack thing turns into a phone booth a time traveling phone booth which to me that phone booth is just as iconic as the delorean just as iconic as the tardis like it is a time traveling vehicle that is in my heart as much as any other thing see it's kind of funny because in the original script it was a van not a phone booth but they thought that was going to be too close to the delorean in back to the future Mm. so they made it a phone booth not thinking about the fact that there was already the TARDIS, which was a police yeah. box from Doctor Who, which started in the 60s. But it wasn't nearly as popular here, so they probably just kind of like, ah, we'll just make it work. Uh, there was a great song playing underneath that scene as they were like getting the phone booth ready called Father Time. Uh, love the soundtrack in this film again. Very 80s hair metal yeah. sort of sound. But good songs. Ones I still listen to. The boys are studying. We see Missy and here we see Bill's dad and they're just being very creepy. He kind of like sends them off, like gives them some money to go watch a movie or whatever the hell they were doing. He's with Missy in Bill's room and a super creepy ass shot of him like sending Bill and Ted out of the room and him shutting the door. And you know, he's just going to violate Missy (laughs) in Bill's room. And it is it's gross. It is shit that I didn't fully understand watching this like when I was a kid. But I watch it now and I'm just like, oh, oh. Something I was talking about earlier actually happens at the beginning of this scene. When they're talking about they have to pass this this history test or whatever, and Missy asks, oh, Mr. Ryan? And then she gets this big smile on her face. She's like, how is he? Or say hi for me or something like that. So obviously she has a thing for older men. Yes. Yeah, it's not just like... 
the trophy wife kind of thing. She likes older guys. Yes. So, so obviously there's some history there. Yeah. I don't know why she chose Bill's dad though. Mr. Preston. He doesn't. Bill and Ted go to the Circle K. They kind of continue their studying. We see like this mini storm is happening and Rufus appears in the phone. He introduces himself. Basically he tells them that he's there to help them with their report. But we get a fantastic line from Keanu Reeves. Shit's kind of going crazy and you see the little storm and they're meeting themselves. Ted turns to Bill and says, Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Like that line, to me, that line is maybe one of the biggest lines in the film. It's the one that like I hear most quoted, but they meet themselves like kind of from the future. Another line that I sure as hell didn't understand younger, but I definitely understand now. They had to like prove that they were them. Uh And they said, what number are we thinking of? And they say, 69 dudes, 69 dudes. (laughs) Why? Wait, why is that number significant as an adult? Oh, I know. I know why that number is significant. (laughs) So they get started on their journey. Rufus is kind of like showing them how to use the phone booth. And we get another fantastic, perfect line from Rufus. Gentlemen, we're history. It's cheesy, but I love that kind of shit. Yeah. It fits well in silly movies like this. And he's just kind of explaining to them that, you know, we're in the circuits of time and that they can take them anywhere. He takes them to Austria in 1805. Napoleon is there and he's invading. Napoleon just kind of in a silly, stupid scene. He sees Bill and Ted in the phone booth and he wants to blow them up. But instead, he accidentally gets blown towards them. He falls into the circuits of time following the phone booth. Rufus ends up leaving them. They find Napoleon that Napoleon is accidentally now in their time fantastic babysitting job of course <laughs> they leave napoleon with ted's younger brother deacon yeah uh, which makes no no damn sense they kind of trick ted's dad ted's dad is an asshole in this he, film he really is he he says if they fail their presentation he's going to go to military camp but he like acts pretty much already going to send him to affiliate military camp without even like giving him the option yeah or like to, to actually pass so it's kind of weird our boys are starting their journey here we get the time traveling bill and ted starting their journey pretty pretty quickly the first place they go to is the old west uh well i guess one thing we didn't really explain was the report that they have to pass is a history exam so that's why they're going back in time getting these different people to kind of talk about how they would think of san Dimas today because this is where they live i have um, to say it seems like a dumb report <laughs> why <laughs> yeah. would you report on what a historical figure would think of your town today yeah. Why, why uh, is that historically significant? <laughs> I don't know. But hey, I don't know. You're a te- you're the teacher, not me, John. That's why it makes <laughs> no sense to me. So they go to the Old West. The first person they meet is Billy the Kid in a funny little scene of Billy kind of is like fixing this card game. Particularly, I like the other players in the card game notice that Billy is, has kind of rigged it. And so the entire bar just starts going crazy, beating each other up. And Bill and Ted are just like sitting at the table, not doing shit. So that bar fight scene is actually parallel to to a scene that happens in the movie Airplane. Oh, okay. There's a scene in the movie with Girl Scouts who end up in a fight over a poker game. It almost mirrors the the fight in that. They end up escaping and they take Billy with them and then they go to ancient Greece and they pick up Socrates, who they call Socrates. I'm going to just refer to as Socrates the rest of this episode. It's it's impossible not to call him Socrates. They do a a cute little scene of Ted philosophizes (laughs) with Socrates and he uses the lyrics of Kansas's dust in the wind all we are is dust in the wind dude but then Socrates' response is like the sands of the hourglass these are so are the days of our lives which is yeah the yeah beginning <laughs> of the 
the soap opera days of our lives. Pop culture references. It's funny. They get so crates. They're moving on. And then they go to medieval times and they see some princesses. Yeah, the princesses. Yeah. Obviously, the love interests. There's not too much to do with the princesses. They're just kind of there. Yeah. We don't particularly need them, honestly, but that's fine. You got high school boys. They're interested in girls. So that's how it works. But they want to go meet them uh, because... We gotta go. It's a history report, not a babe report. Bill, those are historical babes. So you gotta you gotta go meet them. <laughs> yep. We get silly, stupid fight scene. Them dressed up as knights fighting each other like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. They do their air guitars. Anytime that they air guitar in the film, you get some actual music to go with it, and that's just that's part of their shtick. Stupid, silly, and I wish that could happen to me. Like I would love to just like do an air guitar and then in the background, <laughs> some stupid little shit. <laughs> But I mean, there's there's so much like pop culture things from this film that I think has continued on. Right. We get a sword fight scene and another adult little humor joke in here about them sword fighting, which is a penis joke line, (laughs) which I definitely didn't get before. Ted falls down the stairs and Bill thinks he's dead because this guy like stabs the armor. Obviously, Ted was not in there when he did it, but that's totally fine. So he's going to like kind of check in on him. Bill's all kind of distraught because he thinks his friend is dead and he sees the guy who stabbed him it is a great little line of when he sees him he says you killed ted you medieval dickweed yeah to no one's surprise ted is not dead he ends up hitting the guy over the head with like a turkey leg or some shit they embrace after they embrace they push each other away and call each other the f word the other f word which definitely just shows this movie's a little dated they wouldn't use that slur nowadays you can be buddies and and hug your friend and and not be gay but from 1989, it was a little bit definitely socially acceptable to, to make those kind of comments. Yeah. They end up meeting the princesses. The princesses immediately like the like the boys, but the king catches them, and we get another just cute, funny line of, How's it going, royal ugly dudes? And the king sentences them to death, to execution, but they escape. Billy the Kid and Socrates end up dressing up as, as the executioners, mm-hmm. and they all escape with the phone booth, but not the princesses. As they, like, barely escape, I think one of the knights who was chasing him had like this mason chain or something and he was trying to hit them and he ends up like hitting the antenna and so now the phone booth isn't working properly it's fucked up now they're just like running around through time and they're all kind of screwed they end up getting sent into the future because there's like one of the few numbers that worked here we meet these three people the three people are billed as the most important people in the world like that's their name in the credits we see them at the beginning though yeah we do yeah they're they're kind of like the leaders of this utopia Um, and you get an awesome song playing in the background the song's called In Time by Robbie Rob. Honestly, I love that song that's huh. playing right now in the background. Like I, I've probably it's probably one of my most played songs in my entire <laughs> iTunes catalog right now. We kind of just see how much this utopia reveres them. You get all these people kind of coming out and doing like this synchronized air guitar as like a I don't know like a sign of respect or something to the wild stallions. Mm-hmm. But here we get like words of wisdom as they leave. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes! 
those are the mottos. Those are those are probably two of like biggest lines in the film that we can we we get those dumbish surferish kind of lines. Yeah, uh, the va- Valley Boy lines. So the guys are now running around trying to grab random people from different parts of time to get some extra credit. And just a little montage, they end up getting like Sigmund Freud, Beethoven, Joan of Arc, Genghis Khan, who I have to throw out is played by Al Jong. Yes. Who love Al Jong. I mean, everybody, you've seen him before in Die Hard, Big Trouble in Little China. He's a fantastic side villain. So he's Genghis Khan and also get Abraham Lincoln in just kind of like a funny little montage-ish scene. Every now and then we kind of get some cutback to Napoleon not really necessary but you get like a funny scene with him at the at the ice cream shop eating the Ziggy Piggy yeah and another funny one of him at the bowling alley just kind of being like an asshole just Napoleon out of time but here Bill and Ted are now kind of like trapped in apparently 1 million BC and they have to like Jimmy rig their antenna because it's all fucked up that they realize from the phone booth they use some bubble gum and they Jimmy rig it back together they make it back to (laughs) San Dimas here's where they make it back to San Dimas in the opposite side at at that circle k scene it kind of comes full circle right where we're we're now at the circle k now we followed their journey we're on the other side of the ones who were there when they meet each other uh so we kind of skip through that rufus gives them some more context of oh man no you have to dial a number higher because that time on your clock is still running which again that theory of time travel (laughs) makes no goddamn sense to me i just i don't get it that just why would time travel work like that yeah whatever (laughs) fucking movie science but they make it back to their proper time in san dimas now they go to the mall and they pretty much want to leave everybody at the mall while they go find napoleon they're like oh man where would napoleon go if he was off by himself in san dimas and they say oh the water park which is aptly named waterloo yes fucking perfect i love that they have that really good a good song playing while napoleon is kind of seen in a montage having a fantastic time yeah. at the waterloo park yeah the song boys and the girls are doing it i'm kind of shocked they didn't have the song waterloo by abba playing That would not fit. That is not very... Probably not. Bill and Ted rocking, yeah. While Bill and Ted are kind of dealing with Napoleon and getting him, we cut back to the mall, and we probably get... This is probably my favorite set of scenes from the entire film, other than the report itself. I've always loved the mall scene. Basically, these different people through history are just creating madness at the mall. I love it. You get Joan of Arc, who's like taking over this aerobics course. You get a kick-ass song. Beethoven's in a music shop going nuts. Billy the Kid and Socrates are like, and Freud are like hitting on these other random girls in the shops and escape trying to run away from these mall cops and Lincoln hilariously is like an old timey photoshop and the guy and the kid who's running it says that he should return his uh, fake beard and Lincoln hat but it's actually Lincoln so it's just kind of funny and Genghis Khan is going crazy in a sports shop and it just it works really well the song is so fucking good behind it that I think that's partly why I just love that scene yeah (laughs) 
my wife noticed something in the scene where um, Billy the Kid and Socrates are hitting on these two girls. And Fro- Is it the corn dog? Yes. Yeah. And Freud comes up and starts talking. He's holding up a corn dog. And as the girls are kind of laughing about it, the corn dog starts to droop, which I had never noticed before. I definitely noticed it. I've noticed it before this, but it fits so well with Freud. Yes. Because Freud's, Freud's all about, like, the penis, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> All of the people from history end up getting caught and they're taken to jail. Now they kind of have to like get them all out of jail. And this is this is honestly like my least favorite part of the entire movie. Yeah. It's slow and I'm just like, God damn it. Just another little road bump before they get to their report. Yeah. But it's fine. I get it. Now we're kind of intercutting between we see that the reports are starting, but it kind of emphasizes like, oh shit, now Bill and Ted are really like on a time crunch and they're try- they have to try and hit their time. So they're all like in jail and Bill and Ted have to deal with that. But reports are starting. And here we get the greatest school report of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> And we get a great line to the dumb jock who doesn't know what to say on his report. And so he ends it with San Diego's high school football rule. I love that line, man. (laughs) It's so funny. It's so stupid. I say that line probably way more than (laughs) than I care to admit because I don't. I don't live that far from San Dimas. San Dimas is just like a drive down like the 210. Yeah. Typically, I kind of pass it when I go to see you in Vegas. Right. And there's a street, San Dimas Avenue, you know, right where in, in San Dimas, as you're driving through it on the 210, every time, if I don't say it, I think it. Right. And I'm not, like, every time I think it in my head, if I, when I drive past that exit, I always go, San Dimas High School Football Rules. <laughs> every fucking time. <laughs> I can't help it. Apparently, uh, when San Dimas was having like, their like centennial celebration or something like that uh-huh. they changed the town logo to san dimas an excellent adventure oh that's cute the sadly enough though this movie was not filmed in san dimas it wasn't even filmed in california oh, this movie okay. was filmed in arizona oh so all, like the the school the circle k all of that stuff was actually in arizona Okay. Just sort of around the, I think around the Glendale, Phoenix area. I'm not going to go through everything of how they get out of the police station and the, you know, the jail to get everybody out. They use time travel logic. They end up getting keys and they bust everybody out and they kind of play a joke on their dad. And that's that. Let's move on. (laughs) They got everybody out. We're starting up the reports. Just as like all the other reports are wrapping up, their teacher assumes that they didn't make it. Right. And that they're going to fucking fail. But then John... But then, apparently they also used, totally doesn't, it goes against the entire logic of their time travel, that their clock is always running. Yes. uh, That they kind of have to keep going. Because not just did they, were able to get everybody synchronized on what they were doing for this report, they were also able to coordinate lights and music and all that shit in time to use it for this report. Yes. All of a sudden, we get some great music going on, lights go on, this is this whole choreographed thing. Which, in normal time travel logic, that would be fine, because they can just go back in time and practice and make it work. But in their time travel logic, Rufus specifically says it's always running and you have to hit to this clock. Right. But that, I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't make sense. We get started on their very awesome report. We start off with Billy the Kid. Pretty much everybody has, like, some moments where they talk about like history each each of the different historical figures like come up and talk except billy the kid oh yeah, yeah. i guess he he just kind of he just does he the, opened it up he yeah. does the introduction <laughs> then he shoots out a light when the kids don't respond yeah. and nobody panics we see some funny stuff one of my my favorite line in the entire section is when freud is talking to ted yes and then at the end of it freud asks if bill wants to like get on the couch and talk and he's like nah just got a minor oedipal complex 
<laughs> which I again I totally didn't really understand who Oedipus was and the right. Oedipal complex at that time. But Oedipus is the Greek story of the son who kills his father and fucks his mother, but he doesn't know that it's that. Right. Um, it's his mother at first. It just shows that Bill wants to bang his stepmom. It's it's funny. There are also kind of something that tied in earlier, like earlier when Missy asks about the history teacher when she comes into the thing she sits right next to him she's like hi like she kind of it was just sort of like it just kept that line going a little bit and their report ends with abraham lincoln doing this fantastic talk and ending with be excellent to each other and party on dudes and I kind of glossed over it pretty quickly, but there's not much to talk about it other than it's just, it's fun. The music is great. It's kick-ass report, obviously. We're back in their garage where kind of where we first saw them in their first scene. Mm-hmm. And Wild Stallions are still practicing. And they kind of explain like, hey, they passed history. They got an A on the report. You know, they kind of have set time back together. We get Rufus coming back real quick. He brought the princesses. Uh-huh. Uh, he also brought some cool guitars. Just a, a funny scene of him jamming with them and him being awesome and and they are bad particularly bad yeah he kind of ends it with with that oh they'll get better i promise he he breaks the fourth wall a little bit and that's the end of the movie we get the credits rolling and we get a another cool song two heads are better than one by power tool which actually included the two brothers, Matthew and Gunnar Nelson, who were the twin sons of Ricky Nelson, who were in the band Nelson. Anyone who liked hair rock in the early 90s would remember the band Nelson. We finished the film. I don't feel like I hid that I like this movie. I still like this movie. This movie had it had some some slower moments than I kind of remember. I thought it was like even it moved a little bit faster. But rewatching it, it's like oh here's a little bit lull here, here's a little lull there. But in general, I watch this film probably every couple years. I love the music in it. Like yeah. I have the soundtrack. I'm a big fan. I'm not like a huge fan of like hair metal in general, but just the songs that they use for this this soundtrack I think works really well. I love the silliness. I love the stupid. I love the excellent bogus and all that, that the dumb quotes that, you know, almost like Ninja Turtle-y kind of to an extent. <laughs> right. I'm going to continue to watch this film every couple years. And I like Bogus Journey and I'll watch that. I'm a fan of Wild Stallions. I like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I think it holds up. Watching it again, I just had a smile on my face enjoying it. I hope to never have to watch it again as I'm like taking notes and dissecting it right <laughs> because that kind of took away from the film honestly in my opinion because you know I, I write my notes for for the podcast and i was just like Ugh, i just i just want to sit back and watch this stupid film and enjoy it and that's kind of what fits for bill and ted for me it's just it's kind of stupid it's silly you can check out your mind can just turn off and you can enjoy the silliness i would agree that's exactly kind of how i feel it's it's a it's fun going back i hadn't seen it in actually a while but it was fun going back i enjoyed the humor I enjoyed the sort of pop culture references to obviously anyone who's young who watches this isn't going to get a lot of the references. It was it was fun for me to kind of go back and visit, oh yeah, I remember that and and I think if you if you haven't seen it in a long time, give it a watch again. Not necessarily going to hold up the way you think, but it's going to be a fun ride the whole time. And honestly, I think there's really only one thing you can say about this movie. Party, Party on, on, dudes. dudes.
Quantum Leap. The Leap of Quantums it ran from 1989 to 1993. It had a total of 97 episodes. This show starred Scott Bakula, the back, the back attack, uh, as Sam Beckett, Dean Stockwell as Al, the hologram who followed him around. <laughs> so the whole premise of this show was that Sam is stuck in the past and apparently from a time travel experiment that went wrong, he's trying to like get back to his body and his time but he keeps kind of hopping into other people's bodies in different parts of their lives the whole name quantum leap comes from the apparent government funded program that sam was the lead on because he's actually like a he's a doctor it's dr sam beckett he was a physicist and he was kind of like leading this program and then some experiment went wrong and then he got sent back into someone else's body you know in history basically the premise of each episode is he's in different people's bodies you always get like a fun scene of him having to look in the mirror to kind of see who he is mm -hmm. and what he looks like so he's kind of like fixing the past kind of to he's at least improving people's past yeah and so like that's what the whole thing about Sam is, is that each episode he's solving some problem for somebody or improving somebody's history. And he doesn't jump out of that body until he completes that task. Yeah. And it could be anyone, guy, girl, mm -hmm. uh, black, white, any race. It could be, it could be anyone, which adds to the hilarity if, especially if he jumps into yeah. a girl. So you see him in dresses and mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff, stuff like but... that. He's been inside kids before. <laughs> that <laughs> sounded bad, but you know, Whoa. he's, Exactly, it can be anything. This show was created by Donald P. Belisario. Donald P. Belisario has created plenty of like big name stuff. Uh, he created Airwolf. Yes. He created Magnum PI. Mm -hmm. He created Jag, and he created this little piece of shit called NCIS. NCIS is actually a spinoff of Jag. A lot of people don't know that. Oh, okay. Jag came huh. first. That is a spinoff. Air. I would say this. Airwolf is a show that we didn't really watch a lot as kids. Yeah. It was never a show I got into, but the theme song to Airwolf is incredible. I just wanted to mention that because I don't think we'll ever, I don't know if we'll ever cover Airwolf in here, yeah. but the theme song to Airwolf to me is just as amazing as like, say, Knight Rider, which we might actually cover because I do, I yeah. did watch that a lot. Oh yeah. Speaking of theme songs, the theme song to this show changed quite a bit. It changed a couple times within the first season from the pilot episode. The pilot episode was one and then kind of changed again. Yeah. And then the much later seasons, it completely changed again. So 
originally there was just music and then Scott Bakula had a voiceover and then later they had some woman doing a voiceover. And the woman was actually the AI Ziggy okay. uh, that Al talks to the entire time. Yes. So Al's like talking to his artificial intelligence Ziggy. That voice is the narrator-ish who is talking at the beginning. But then they also have like yeah, the instrumental like theme song and that instrumental theme song is what I remember Same. You know, as the main theme song. And it was pretty good actually. It was very early 90s. Yes. You know? Very kind of like light and... Uh yeah upbeat pretty good and that theme song was composed by mike post mike post is the main composer for like multiple uh, pretty much everything law and order oh okay he he did their stuff Pretty prolific, like, TV show theme song guy. Yeah. I don't know that the theme song really fits the, the style of the show, but damn yeah. damn it if it's not catchy, because yeah. ever since I started, wa- I watched the show a few days ago, I've not been able to stop singing yeah. the theme song, <laughs> which, I mean, it's just theme. There's no words or anything like that, but uh, yeah. yeah, it is catchy. Yeah, but it is, it's definitely a product of its time. It just feels so 90s right. to me. Pretty much every episode, you could get anything because he can jump into pretty much any point in the past and it's into anybody he dealt with a whole bunch of different kind of stuff you know this show was fairly sci-fi-esque uh-huh. you know just because of he's jumping bodies uh but also it was either like it could have been more dramatic or more comedic or more whatever it was a little bit all over the place the show wasn't super strict in how each episode was gonna shape out it really was fully dependent on what sam had to do for that person. So I watched episodes one and two, and then I also watched season, first episodes one and two of season three. So I watched, yeah, season one and season three, like two episodes each. And one thing that surprised me is they start right off with Sam waking up in somebody else's body. Right. And like he had no idea, like the very first episode, they just jump right into it, and he's trying to like figure out what the fuck's going on, and then he sees al who no one else can see and he's like a hologram and so i thought maybe they would start it off you know him doing that experiment or him like figuring out like oh how did he get into this and they just like nope you jump right the fuck into it and then you get like that context kind of like throughout episodes which i thought was just kind of interesting i did i thought that was interesting too because i thought it was like a fun way of you were discovering what's happening at the same time Mm -hmm. that the main character is learning about what is going on first couple episodes were to me very slow they yeah. didn't have the rhythm down yet. Kind of hard to watch, actually. I really liked, actually, the ones that I saw in season three. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the two that I watched there, it was definitely, you know, was hitting its stride at that point. I liked those better. Because I watched those two in season one. I did watch one in season two. We ended up watching quite a bit because my wife actually really loved the show when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. So we ended up watching quite a few episodes because she remembered a few of them. She's like, find this episode and find this episode. So oh, cool. So we watched a couple in one. I think we watched one and two one and four and then we ended up watching three in season five which were a trilogy and it was oh. <laughs> it, it the story was it followed this girl at three points in her life he didn't jump into the girl but he jumped into <laughs> different people around the girl in various points in the story he jumped in as her father at the at the in the first episode then he jumped in as her husband in the second episode and then he jumped in as a lawyer in the third episode an older gentleman who has to defend her you have to watch the episode hmm. to kind of get context okay. but like she's always in trouble and stuff like that and it kind of takes place in, yeah. in, in Louisiana and that one was actually kind of interesting and it definitely got better farther into the seasons you got the first season was pretty rough and slow and but I think probably by season three three four and five were a little bit more solid I had a much easier time
time watching this because up until that point if I had just watched those first few episodes I watched on seasons one and two I would have given this a horrible review the farther in you got it does get better it's still very much a product of its time yeah the best thing to me was the sound effects from Al's little machine that he keeps pressing uh, yeah because they're just <laughs> weirdly cartoony sound effects every time he presses it that was a funny character. He's always like smoking a cigar. Which apparently that was Dean Stockwell's idea to add, to give him a cigar. Years later when they did an interview, they asked, sort of asked him like, why did you do that? And he said, I thought it was a great way to get free cigars. <laughs> That's awesome. I completely forgot how much of a perv Al was. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't notice it in like it's you know didn't they didn't really establish it in like those first two episodes, but when I watched in in the in season 3, he was just like a pervy dude and all he did was talk about was like chicks and yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah, he he was a hologram who thought with his dick a lot. <laughs> It's early 90s. The green screen was pretty fucking bad, you know, with with a lot of Al stuff in particular. But like on a TV show budget in 89 through 93, I'm not going to yell at it too much for that. You look back at it and you notice it pretty, pretty rough. And I don't know if they established this early or if they added this later. But when Sam jumps into a body, whoever that person actually is gets transported into a place they called the waiting room. And maybe they only added this later. So... Al can actually go talk to the real person who's sitting in the waiting room while Sam is in there. So I don't know if they added that in later. Because I remember they mentioned that this person was in the waiting room. So whoever it was, the real person, was transported to a different place, what they called the waiting room, while Sam lived out this portion of that person's life. I guess it was an answer to what happens to that person's consciousness while Sam is being that person. (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes sense. I had not heard that before, but that's that's kind of cool. But since, I, which is weird, because I don't know if it means like is since Al is a hologram, does that mean that it's sort of like it's their soul or a digital representation yeah. of them in the waiting room, or is this meant to be a physical? That part never gets really answered. Maybe they left it ambiguous on purpose. I don't need to go into the science of it. Yeah, this show as a kid, this wasn't one that I gravitated towards. I mean, obviously, it's a you know more for adult show anyway. Right. I probably like saw it only because maybe you had it on every now and then, or Dad had it on, or something, or even Mom. I think mom watched it a little too but it wasn't a show that i like clung to but it was definitely a show i remember yes i was a little bit surprised as to how much i enjoyed it particularly those season three episodes that i watched i was quite happy with it honestly i could see myself re-watching some of this show yeah maybe i will skip season one or just kind of like check out to see if they get any better i was pleasantly surprised because i completely thought it was just going to be one that you know, i'll be like oh i'm gonna be okay with this you know yeah i didn't remember it too much and i'll be like yeah this is a fine show but i was totally planning on just going to be watching like one episode or two episodes the one that i watched in season three was a two-parter and at the end of it i was like no i, I want to watch the next one <laughs> <And> so <laughs> I, I, don't know what happened. I kept it going i'll watch more and i, and I kind of want to see some like the one-off ones you know or yeah you know when he gets into other crazy stuff so i will probably give it a, a some more of a shot down the line yeah this is a, a series that my wife and i have been talking about for a while about going back to revisit we've done that with several shows where we, we went back to to visit the whole thing. I wasn't so sure at first that I would want to uh, after for watching the first few episodes that I did. I don't know if I can sit through this because it is very 
more or less episodic. Maybe I don't. Yeah. Maybe I just start with season three. You know, there's not a huge like overarching storyline. This is not Game of Thrones right. where you have to like see the beginning of the season to understand the end of the season. Right. Every episode, pretty much, he's jumping to a different body just trying to get back to his time. Yeah. And he has to deal with, with each situation as it comes. So yeah, I agree. You, you probably don't need those earlier ones and just go to the, the better stuff. Largely, I would say if you had a fondness for this, it's worth going back to watch it. If you've never seen it before, I'm not sure you're going to get much out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, unless you have just sort of an affinity for sort of those uh, 80s. I would really equate this more towards a late 80s TV show than I would a 90s TV show, even though it bled into the 90s. I agree. It did have that feel. It definitely had a feel of more late 80s than yeah. it did the, the I mean, and, and it has a very Belisario feel. It much more like, uh, yeah. like uh, you know, Magnum P.I. and Airwolf and, and those stuff like that. If you liked those shows, you'll probably like this. Pretty solid. Uh, I also want to add in, like, right now it's it's available on Hulu. Yep. So every episode's on there. So, it, you know, now's the time. If you if you love your Scott Bakula, the Bakula's back, baby. <laughs> yeah, check it out. <laughs> This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is brought to you by Dum Dums. All right, and now we are going to do our casting of a revamped Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure movie. If we're going to revamp the series and start from scratch, um, even though they are keeping the series going, we want to potentially see who would we cast now for a new Bill and Ted. Honestly, there's really only three important characters, and that's Bill, Ted, and Rufus. We added... Ted's dad, Captain Logan, we added Missy, and we added Mr. Preston. Even though he has, like, the least we barely see him in the film, I think the the parents could add something funny if we added, you know, if we if we got the right actors, could it be something good? And their, and their roles be a little bit bigger than what they were in the film. We could have cast, like, Napoleon and Abe Lincoln and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, you need to kind of get people who kind of have that look. I, I didn't feel like we needed them because it's such a big ensemble, like those history people, right. honestly, that I didn't need to cast them i really needed bill ted and rufus and then hopefully maybe if we cast their parents that we could add some extra depth to those characters and it could be fun i tell you if they could convince daniel day lewis to reprise his role as lincoln <laughs> to do this movie i would be so on board oh that so would be cool on board. we are casting bill ted rufus captain logan missy and mr preston uh, Bill's dad, the creepy, creepy dad. So we'll start with Mr. Preston. Okay, who I picked for Mr. Preston is a little bit going to inform who I picked for Bill. Mm, and okay. you'll see, you'll kind of see why later. He doesn't have a lot to do, and you can kind of suspend disbelief that they have to be that good looking because Bill's dad, it looks like an older dad in the movie, and yet landed Missy. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot you could go there, and I struggled a little bit. I mostly went with a lot of comedic actors, even just in these short choices that I made. My actual pick for Mr. Preston was Carlos Mencia. <laughs> and it's going to. Carlos, Carlos Mencia is going to oh be my more. God. It, First of all, you can't make an argument because Mr. Preston really has very little to do in this movie. My only argument is I just don't like Carlos Mencia because he steals people's jokes and he's not funny. You have you can make your arguments there. 
<laughs> I, I think he works with who I picked for Bill. There's a fantastic video, I think, of Joe Rogan on his podcast just tearing Carlos Mencia up because Carlos Mencia like legitimately stole some of his jokes and shit like that. Not a fan of Carlos Mencia, but okay. Maybe he can redeem himself as creepy Mr. Preston, who's definitely not a good looking guy. Carlos Mencia is not a good looking guy. Maybe. Okay. I like my choice better. I went with an actor who is hilarious in the things he's in. He's not that far off from the Mr. Preston that we got. This guy's a much better actor. He's funnier. You knew him as Saul in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. He's also an amazing comedic writer. He has written on so many things, things like The Simpsons Mm -hmm. and I think Conan O'Brien. Bob Odenkirk is hilarious and he would be, I think, a funny, but also he could pull off that creepy Mr. Preston if needed. I agree. I like Odenkirk. As I said, Odenkirk wouldn't fit for who I picked for Bill. that's fine. Oh, no, no. That's totally cool. So I love Odenkirk. I like a lot of his Mm -hmm. Even though actually I never watched Better Call Saul because I didn't watch Breaking Bad either. I would highly recommend. I haven't seen Better Call Saul. I'm not going to lie there, but I've seen all of Breaking Bad and I do highly, highly recommend it. Okay. I like him in a lot of the other stuff he does. So I will contend that is a good choice. Not that it's really going to be that difficult for a character who doesn't really talk that much. Yeah. 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 I would be shocked if we have any matching castings. I will be too. Right now it doesn't sound like we're going to match for Bill. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be shocked. Okay. Let's go into his wife. Little Missy. She's just a little bit older than Bill and Ted, but she is a an attractive, dumb blonde. I kind of got the dumb blonde feel from her for sure. Yeah. So I went with somebody who pretty much already is nailing the dumb blonde acting, and that's in the show Big Bang Theory. I went with Kaylee Cuoco as my Missy. I love Kaylee Cuoco, mm-hmm. but I, I think she's a little older now than... She's like she's like 25 or so. No, she's, Maybe she's, 27. She's got to be older, because they've been doing the show for 10 years now. Yeah. And th- and this and she was already like in her early 20s when they started because she was on yeah. uh John Ritter's show. Oh, she's okay, so she's my age. Actually, she's only she is 2 days younger than me. Oh, okay. Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah, so she's so she's 32. Okay. She is a little bit older. I love Kaylee Cuoco. I don't really like her for this role. Okay. I I don't I don't hate I wasn't sold super sold on her. Yeah, she just just because of like how dumb blonde she played in Big Bang Theory. Yes. I love my choice and there is nothing you're gonna say that's gonna convince me otherwise no matter how much you shit on my choice Uh i think she fits the role of missy i think she could embody that character even though she's not really known for being an actress she fits that style my missy tay tay herself taylor swift oh my god that's a terrible fucking choice genius call that oh no genius. you're not a genius you would be fired as a casting no, director no, no, john get no. the fuck out of here no no no. mr nicholas cage is 30 30 don't give me that shit yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, no. no. nicholas Taylor cage was Swift, a great she, first choice. of all she looks a lot like missy did in the movie she just seems like a bitch I think that's a terrible choice. She's not, she's dumb. She definitely seems dumb to me. Oh, I don't know. This is, no, no, no. She's not that's an a actress. Genius. She would, she would bring in a lot of people oh to the role. God, that's a no. genius call. That's a genius call. Oh my God. You're not as smart as you think you are. Oh, she's just going to play some not goddamn as deep song as you during think you the entire. We're not turning this into a musical. I mean, this is good. You need rock and music, and you're going to put Taylor Swift in a fucking rock movie? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Missy doesn't sing throughout the whole fucking thing. But you know, Taylor Swift would put it in her contract that she's going to put one of her goddamn no, songs she in here. Wouldn't. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, You're going no. way too overboard with this. No, Taylor Swift is a bad choice. No, no, should, no. It's I, a genius I had some other choice. choices. Someone like a Julianne Huff would be a better choice. Or I had Diana Agron, who from Glee is another no. option. Taylor Swift. No. Perfect choice. Perfect choice. Oh, my God. You're an idiot. No, no, no. You're an idiot. I can't, I can't trust anything else you say today. <laughs> 
Adam, you're not my real brother. Yeah, that's, that's, nothing would make me happier. Nothing would make me happier if that was true, John. I'm telling you. Yeah. Time will tell. Not that they uh-huh. would ever recast this movie, but... All right, let's move on to Captain Logan. Ted's dad, he's military man. He's got to kind of have a military look, and he's got to kind of be a little well, he, a little hard. he's not really military. He's, he's a police captain. I'm going to jump in because I know you're going to love my pick for Captain Logan. My pick for Captain Logan is Neil Flynn. Oh, I do. Yeah, of course I love that one. <laughs> yeah, I love Neil Flynn. And he could be, he could definitely have like a military look, and he's very comedic. He would fit in a comedy movie. And he can play the straight man too in a comedy yeah i like it you've almost redeemed yourself (laughs) well we'll really see how this plays out when we talk about rufus yeah yeah true for my captain logan i went with somebody who's played a lot of like military or kind of cop kind of he's a really good actor i like probably your neil flynn choice better because neil flynn has more comedic chops Uh than my guy i went with william fickner william fickner you've seen him a hundred times in a hundred films he's been in crash armageddon the dark knight he has been in tons of stuff you've seen him oh yeah i love that guy i love that he can have like a hard-ass military look when he needs to and he's done it in multiple movies particularly armageddon is what i'm thinking of neil flynn is a little bit even like taller and more imposing which I think works well but he also has the comedy more than William Fickner and so I'll probably lean towards your choice on that that's one. okay I don't hate that choice I actually I think he would do really well in that role if you had to be a hard ass which is which is this role would be William Fickner is a good call I love Neil Flynn so I'm not gonna say one I think is better than the other okay. they're different styles they would bring different things to the character I love William Fickner so I have a hard time saying anything bad about him because I he's one of my favorite he's background good character actors well that was uh very diplomatic john i like that let's just go straight to uh to ted captain logan's son ted theodore logan famously it was keanu reeves mm-hmm. i i'm gonna jump in i like my choice a lot okay. for this this guy so keanu reeves was 25 when he played this role and so i actually picked an actor who's also 25 not really specifically for that reason but just happened out that way i think this kid can skew more high school mm-hmm. and see so can still or maybe you know potentially maybe my bill and ted like is maybe they're in community college or some shit like that and they have to look just a little bit older i went with an actor who actually i think kind of looks a little bit like keanu reeves he does have quite a bit of like comedic side character chops kind of almost dumbish to an extent as well when he played the flash in the justice league movie i went with ezra miller as my ted theodore logan that is an interesting call because i also Mm -hmm. went with ezra miller i did i totally did for all the same reasons you did he kind of looks like him he kind of plays the dumb bumbling yeah. idiot and that's exactly who i went with wow i'm i am a little bit surprised we've both had a same person for, but i uh, he does kind of look like young keanu reeves yeah you know he kind of in perks of being a wallflower he kind of has the hair that goes with it yes um i can see him being kind of like a, a dopey metalhead type stoner k- kid i think it's a really good pick all right way to go john Woo-hoo! we agree we had one we're not gonna agree on probably not bill s preston esquire probably not since you're kind of going the hispanic route it seems which is cool love that idea i think mine's kind of fun or funny this guy can definitely i think skew younger he's actually like two years older than ezra miller but he definitely can skew i think young doesn't have blonde hair but i think he could pull it off if we dye it and i also just couldn't pass up the chance to cast the flash from the cw show (laughs) with the flash from the dceu my bill s preston esquire is grant gustin who plays the flash i can totally see that 
that. I love oh, yeah. Grant Gustin. I personally think he's the better Flash. I love that show on the CW. Yeah, and there's a lot of comedy with that yes. show as well, so I think it fits pretty darn well with this style of, of movie. I'm having a little bit of trouble se- sort of separating him into that sort of stoner role, but that's not to say that he can't do it. It's just because I've only really mm-hmm. ever seen him as the Flash. Yeah. I like it. I like the tie-in. Cool. I like him uh, as an actor. <laughs> Grant Gustin's pretty tall, though, but I mean, it could work. My actor, you might have a hard time sort of seeing him as the so- stoner type. He doesn't really play that sort of type for what he's most known for, but he's funny. He's really funny on the show that he's uh, best known for. I think he could add a little something to the Bill character, and I actually went with Rico Rodriguez, who plays Manny on Modern Family. Oh, interesting. Carlos Mencia being his dad. He is funny as hell in Modern Family. It might be a little bit different. I mean, it would definitely be a little bit different, but... He's not like the smartest kind of character in Modern Family, right. so we can kind of kind of see that transition. And he's about the right age. He's 20 years old now, so he's 20 now. Ezra Miller's about 25. They could probably skew together. Oh yeah, and Ezra Miller looks young. You could definitely skew him yeah. way younger than 25. So okay, I don't I don't hate that choice. It's kind of a yeah cool different different choice. But I I like Rico Rodriguez. Modern Family is a funny ass show. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna shit on you there, John. Okay. Only, I mean, I'll take I, it unless you told me that you were gonna put Taylor Swift as Bill S. Preston. I'm surprised you didn't say that, motherfucker. I'm going to make it my goal now <laughs> to pick someone in every casting from yeah. here on out that's just going to piss you off. Yeah, well, Taylor Swift is a ridiculous person. But hey, Rico Rodriguez, I like it. Okay. I like it. Let's end with Rufus. George Carlin played Rufus so well. He's just so super cool. I actually did want to say real quick, kind of just looking through the cast list and the pictures of the people who were you know, were in it, the guy who played Mr. Preston now kind of looks like George Carlin. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. I could see them like using him to to kind of body uh-huh. double George Carlin in a in in the newer one. I don't know about in a reboot. Yeah. But he yeah. kind of looks like George Carlin did. I wanted to keep with the comedian aspect of it. I picked a lot of comedians for this. Obviously mm-hmm. I picked Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest joke of the entire fucking cast list. It's fucking genius. <laughs> and I'm telling you, people are gonna prove me right. Anyway, God, no. so uh, I had a very difficult time because to me there's some characters who are iconic and played by a iconic actors it would have a hard time filling in with a new role but I wanted somebody who could be funny and is honestly kind of cool like the way I saw George Carlin because George Carlin was a guy who just didn't give a shit you could mm-hmm. not phase George Carlin if you listen to his comedy he didn't give a shit about anything try to go kind of along the same lines and I'm not sure how you're gonna react to my choice I went with Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, he hasn't done too much other than some stand-ups recently, but I mean, his show was fucking awesome. I agree that the way you put it, George Carlin didn't give a shit. Dave Chappelle also doesn't seem to give a shit. I like it. Cool. I like it. I mean, it really fits well with the the comedian aspect. Yeah. I was struggling if I wanted to go with the comedian aspect or if I wanted it to be like an older rocker because music and rock music in particular is so ingrained yeah. in this film. My initial thought and the first name I put down actually is not all that old, but I put Dave Grohl, who was hmm. like, he is the modern rock god, yeah. in my opinion. And I thought just because of the tie-in music is so important to their future's utopia. Right. So I thought maybe it being a music person would be cool. But ultimately, I didn't go with Dave Grohl. I went with the comedian route. I also chose Dave Chappelle. Oh, shit. I'm not even joking. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah, I really do like that call. He's, for the same kind of reasons you picked out, like when I think of like some of the best stand-ups right now and the people who just, anything can come out of their mouth, it's 
just going to be funny and it's going to probably offend you. He kind of has that George Carlin-esque comedy right now. He's hilarious and he is cool. He could be Rufus and I wouldn't bat an eye. I would totally be okay with that. So yeah, I like uh, good stuff, John. I'm shocked we had two people. I know. uh, Our same cast. Cool. That worked well. And I I will say this though, not that I like it better, but I do like the idea of Dave Grohl in that role. Yeah, I did too. Ultimately, I was like, you know what? To honor George Carlin, I want to keep it with a comedy as well. So I, I like Dave Chappelle, but I think Chappelle is the better choice out of those two. But if they couldn't get Dave Chappelle, if you didn't want to do it Mm -hmm. and they went and got Dave Grohl, I could buy that. I could buy that. But I I definitely think that Dave Chappelle is the best choice for that one. Yeah. Now I just got to get you on board with Tay Tay. (laughs) No, no. We had, we had uh, some, a lot of animosity early (laughs) on, but we ended in in a brothership, if you will. (laughs) We worked together. Did you just use the term brothership? Is a brothership a word? No, brotherhood. (laughs) Oh, fuck it. God damn it. Whatever. I got to get you off the Tay-Tay train. Uh, but, I don't know. Yeah. I think that would work really well. Listeners, listeners, what do you think? Yes. Leave a message on Facebook and tell me I'm right. And if you think John's right, you're wrong. Stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> I don't want your fucking listenership. <laughs> so, kidding, kidding. We love you all. Please join us next time for an episode where we break down Big Trouble in Little China from 1986 and also the short-lived 80s show The Master with a special guest, my old professor, James Biddle. And we do a recasting of Big Trouble in Little China. If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at at blast past cast that's at blast past cast on both facebook and twitter so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time